It's the boy, Bubba, let's come in through Ella Clutch, flawless, can't be touched It's your boy, Bubba, let's Yeah, I need that hot take I need the truth and everything that is not fake So tell me who's the GOAT, I'll tell you who's not great And which team always make you go right way Yeah, hold on Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Small Talk. Today we are just we're a few days away from the NFL season starting up again in 2022, and I did this last year, but I wanted to do it this year, maybe a little bit different. Now that we have a little bit of a time constraint, um, I don't think I have the the time at this very moment to do the editing, to do the whole process of making a, a short little video, like 10 minute video of ranking NFL quarterbacks, um, just with my schedule and all that. I think it'd be easier for me to just talk about it in a very condensed version. Um, I can talk about all these different quarterbacks for minutes on end, but to save ourselves some time, I'm going to break this down like I did last year where we go 32 to 21 20 to 11 and then top 10 and uh as we go along this week i'll be putting those out so keep in mind or or keep track of the episodes that are coming out this week we're definitely going to put out a lot of content over the next few weeks as the season goes along and i'm, I'm very excited to do the content um I, I think i'm still waiting for that rush or that adrenaline pump of like the season starting because right now I'm, I'm just not feeling it to the full extent that I've uh, that I've had over the last few years. But um, I, I think maybe as I watch more football, like I've watched a, uh, some college football this weekend and it, it was it was great. I had a, a blast watching it. So maybe I'll get that once the season starts for the NFL or maybe on Thursday night whenever the, the uh, Bills and the, the Rams go at it. But to start it off with ranking NFL quarterbacks, it's going to be different from other small talks. It's not a topic. It's a ranking list, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. So let's get it started. From 32 to 21, we're going to be talking about some bad quarterbacks here, okay? So just keep in mind that there isn't going to be a lot of positivity to these. I'll try my best as we go into like the, the early 20s. But 32, we started off with Geno Smith, the new starting quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. He beats out Drew Locke, who... I thought was the obvious choice to be the starter in Seattle, now with Russell Wilson out of there. But Geno Smith, drafted in 2013 by the Jets, has been around the block a few times with different teams. He was with the Chargers at some point, which I didn't even realize, but in the last few years, he's been with Seattle. And now he gets his opportunity to do so, um, to really be the leader in the franchise guy. Does that mean that he's going to do it? Absolutely the fuck not. Because this man is the worst quarterback in the league right now. And I, I mean, that was at least the worst starting quarterback in the league right now. Um, because much like last year, um, who, who was it that was 32 who I didn't think deserved to be a starter in this league? I'm, I can't remember. I'm blanking on the name. But I feel the same way about Geno Smith this year. He's a 13-21 and 21, uh, career quarterback. And most of those wins, actually 11 of those wins, came in his first two seasons in the league with the Jets. After that, he had one win in one season, one win in the other, and then hasn't played for a long period of time. So 
Geno Smith for me to beat out Drew Locke is actually pretty impressive to me because I think Drew Locke has some talent, at least some better talent than Geno Smith. Uh, but I think in general, when it comes to Seattle, I've never been a big fan of what they've done post the Super Bowl run. Um, once they really deteriorated defensively with the Legion of Boom, and then they didn't allow Russell Wilson to be comfortable in the pocket with lack of protection on the offensive line. Yes, they've gotten him the weapons, some solid running game, um, but it doesn't matter when you don't have that ability to look down the field for more than two seconds. They failed at that each and every year, but yet there was that sense of, well, it's Seattle, so they're a good playoff team. It doesn't matter when you don't make the playoffs. You can win all the games in the regular season as you want. And then if you do make the playoffs, yes, you had that one year to where you, you basically dominated offensively and defensively. But ever since that point, what have you done to make your team better? They have done absolutely nothing. They still thought that Pete Carroll was the right coach. They still thought by not protecting Russell Wilson that that was the right idea. And now Russell Wilson is gone. He's going to do great things in Denver. I just don't understand what's going on in Seattle. I think they're in the past. They're living off of the uh, the highs of the Legion of Boom, off that mid-2010s run. I don't see this team being any good this season. They may win a game against the Rams, against the 49ers, against the Cardinals. It doesn't matter. I think this is a bad football team with a bad quarterback. They have Tyler Lockett. They have DK Metcalf. Cool. That is great. You have the weapons, but how are you going to protect Geno Smith? Russell Wilson was able to make plays despite the lack of protection. Do you really think that Geno Smith is going to allow you to do that? Bad defense that's going to allow a lot of points. Geno Smith has to play from behind a lot of the time. He's going to throw a lot. He's not a great passer. He's not a great decision maker. He's not a great leader with a clutch or poise to him. He's a bad quarterback, and right now he's the worst quarterback in the NFL starting. At number 31, I'm going to go with a, a little bit of a surprise here, but Marcus Mariota. He's going to get his opportunity to become a starting quarterback once again in Atlanta. And we talk about that time in Tennessee to where right around the same time Jameis Winston got his start in Tampa Bay. It always felt that Tampa had the better quarterback. Uh, Marcus Mariota had a, a great career at Oregon. And he had a lot to offer as a dual threat quarterback, but the lack of, of precision, of accuracy, and the overall mistakes that he made in his time in Tennessee, look, that team was not great. That team was not in a good place to win a lot of football games. This was pre-Derrick Henry. This was pre-Kevin you know, Kevin Byard. You know, this was pre-A.J. Brown. Um, it... It was a time to where they were lacking playmaking ability and they didn't have the right coaches, they didn't have the right staff, the right roster for it. And, and that's, no, that, that's no fault of Marcus Mariota's, but you definitely sense that it was time to move on because of that switch to Ryan Tannehill. It was time to find a, a different quarterback just to revamp that offense, to give it a fresh look. And Ryan Tannehill took advantage of it. That, that's plain and simple that Ryan Tannehill played great to outlast Marcus Mariota for that starting job. So 
Marcus was never going to get the opportunity unless Ryan Tannehill went down. So then he goes to Las Vegas with the Raiders. John Gruden loves this guy. And I think at some point there was a lot of reports and rumors that John Gruden wanted Marcus Mariota to start over Derek Carr. I think that's outrageous. And I think that's way out of this world because I do think Derek Carr is a great quarterback. But Marcus Mariota showed something to those to those coaches. Um, unfortunately, of course, with what happened with John Gruden, Marcus never got that start. And Derek Carr is a good enough quarterback, so he played great. I think he played good enough to, to withstand Marcus Mariota. Um, now Marcus gets his opportunity in Atlanta. You're going to probably the worst team in all of football. I, like, I, I don't like the Seattle Seahawks, but right now the Atlanta Falcons roster is is absolutely terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Uh, they they get uh, they get London in the draft. They don't have Calvin Ridley for this year. Um, they bring back Cordero Patterson. They bring back Kyle Pitts, and they have AJ Terrell on the defensive side. That's really all you got. That's four guys. That is four guys that you're like cool. Like Drake London might be great. That's great and all, but in the end, this roster is overall one of the worst in the NFL. It's lacking talent. It's lacking experience. It's lacking everything possible. And in his second year as the head coach, Smith, um, it's I don't know what he's going to do there. I, uh, I really don't know if they have anything really to go off of in from their first season other than Kyle Pitts. So, look, Marcus Mariota may be able to turn some heads because he just hasn't played uh, a long time in the NFL. You know, it's been a long time since Tennessee. But in his time in the, in the NFL so far, he's 62% completion percentage. He has 77 touchdowns, 45 interceptions. Um that completion percentage just isn't going to cut it in this league nowadays. That that gets you on the bench. That that doesn't speak a starting quarterback. And at least Matt Ryan made something out of nothing and put up some good numbers because he's Matt Ryan. He's a better overall quarterback than Marcus Mariota. So not only are we going to get a bad NFL team in general, we're getting a decline in a quarterback position for the Atlanta Falcons with Marcus Mariota. He is pretty young, like 28 years old. So he still has some time to play in this league. And when you look around backup quarterbacks, probably Marcus is better than most of those guys, like, I guess. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if they end up going with someone later in the year that's just going to replace Marcus Mariota because he's playing bad. Uh, number 30, I got Daniel Jones. Um, I think this is pretty plain and simple that this guy just isn't cut out to be the New York Giants franchise quarterback. It doesn't matter if you're going to bring in a new coaching staff. I, I get it that you had Jason Garrett for some years and it's, it was a, a Giants organization in shambles, really. And injuries, lack of wide receiver talent since OBJ left. Um, and, and their defense really disappointed me the last few years because I think they were very talented in each of those positions. But the constant is Daniel Jones not being able to protect the football 
and making a lot of mistakes. In his time in the NFL, he has 36 fumbles, 29 interceptions, and he's gotten better over the years. The, the numbers have gone down as the years go on for Daniel Jones, but that's still a problem. And we can look at those minute little plays every once in a while to where he can he can shine. Like he has he has good moments, you know, like in that game last year where he just bolts down the field. Yes, he stumbles on his own feet. He could have scored a touchdown, but at least he he has some speed, he has some agility, he has some times where he's pretty accurate. He can give you like a good fight every once in a while. I think those games like against Tampa, like he plays really well against Tampa for some reason. They lost the game last year against Tom Brady, but overall, I think that they put up a good fight. Right now, with Coach Dabble now taking over, this is the last kind of shot for Daniel Jones in New York. And I think that if you're Brian Dabble, you are not a fan of Kenny Galladay. The, the reports say that he, that Galladay has rubbed the coaching staff the wrong way. They're probably going to keep him just because of the salary, but it's not looking good there. They don't really have much else at wide receiver. They're cutting guys. They're getting rid of guys. And Saquon, like, what's going to happen there? Like, Saquon is a trade opportunity because he still has some stock to his name. He's coming off of a lot of injuries. He's with a bad offensive line that was a slightly better last year, but Daniel Jones is still not good enough for this football team. And I'd be shocked that he plays good enough to keep that job the following year. They didn't um, seek out the, the option year. And so this is a sign for, um, for the future that they are probably looking at a guy like C.J. Stroud a guy like uh, uh, Bryce Young from Alabama, that they are going to lose a lot of football games for the right reasons. I don't know if they're going to tank. I really don't think so with a, a first-year head coach. But I don't see Brian going from Josh Allen to Daniel Jones and say, that's a drop-off, but I can work with this. He's going to try his best, but I think that there is – Plenty more opportunities outside of Daniel Jones that will make your football team better for the long term. He's not going to be a great leader. He's giving me Eli Manning vibes, but without the, the playoff runs. I don't think you're going to even get to the playoffs with Daniel Jones, but he's very average. He's slightly accurate. Um, I, I don't feel like he's a great powerhouse um, uh What's the right word here? He doesn't bring that presence to the locker room that I think a quarterback should. I think he's kind of goofy. I think he's kind of a misfit, kind of dorky as a franchise quarterback. And I just don't see why a quarterback from Duke can make it in the NFL, even in an NFC East division that is pretty bad. So Daniel Jones in his final year with the New York Giants, I think this solidifies that he's not a great quarterback. Number 29, we got Davis Mills. Look, I am not going to say much about Davis Mills because it's not about him. He actually played some good games last year for the Houston Texans, but I just said for the Houston Texans, this organization 
should not be playing games. They should not be an actual running organization. They are the laughing stock of this this uh, league. They are an embarrassment to the league. They're just so laughable at everything they do from the front office to everything on the field. I I don't care about the Houston Texans and I don't think anybody else does. I don't care to watch a Houston Texans game. Not because of Davis Mills, not because whoever is the running back, whether it's Marlon Mack, Philip Lindsay, all of these guys are getting cut. I don't care who is playing for this team. Derek Stingley is a great corner. That's awesome. He's not going to do anything in Houston because he's in Houston. This team hired Lovey Smith of all coaches who has a terrible NFL record, a terrible college record, and had terrible times with this defense the last few years. They have had one of the worst defenses in all of football, yet they promote him to head coach. Why? I'm pretty sure nobody else wanted that job. Brian Flores was reported to be close to getting that job. I would have been shocked. I would have died if Brian Flores would have taken that job because I'm like, that. his career's over. His, his resume is now tainted because he went to Houston. Nobody wanted the job. So they had to get someone inside that was like willing to take a pay raise and say, look, we're going to do the same things. You know, continue to do what you do, even though it doesn't work. And we'll pay you more. No, no offense to Lovey Smith because, I mean, why wouldn't you do that? You're getting paid to, to do the same amount of work or less work. For more money. Davis Mills, whatever he does, cool. It does not matter when he played for the Houston Texans. Leave Houston and maybe we can talk. Number 28, Zach Wilson, the dog. That's a dog right there. Coming off of a meniscus uh, surgery in the preseason, a pretty lackluster rookie season. Um, I think the Jets are on the right path. Uh, Overall, with this organization. I like Robert Sala. I think their defensive picks in the draft were phenomenal. Um, Sauce Gardner is going to be a top five corner in this league immediately. Uh, Garrett Wilson is a great pick as well out of Ohio State. I'm a big Buckeyes fan. I think that's a good threat for the wide receivers. You also got Elijah Moore, who's done really great things in the preseason and in training camp. He has a lot of talk to his name over the last few years ever since he entered the league. Uh, You get back Corey Davis, who knows if he's going to be number one. I think Elijah Moore or Garrett Wilson will take over for that. Uh, I think they have a really solid running game that a lot of people are sleeping on. Michael Carter is now the starter there. So I think Zach Wilson is going to be okay. I I think what really determines what Zach Wilson will do is the offensive line that loses Makai Becton. Uh, let's see what they do at the left tackle position. I think Elijah Vera Tucker at the left guard is a really nice pickup from last draft or last year's draft. I want them to be more aggressive when it comes to their offensive line um, as far as making trades, making picks, or signing some guys. I know it's hard, but Zach Wilson needs to be protected. Overall, though, the raw talent is there for Zach Wilson. When I was watching a few Jets games last last year, he can throw down the field. He has this phenomenal arm. He can use his feet, and he's pretty quick for his size. You know, he's pretty small, but I think his arm strength is there. 
His accuracy downfield is there. He's just got to put it together. And I don't think it happens this year. I don't know if it happens next year either. But I do see the raw talent there. I think what really determines what Zach Wilson will do in this league is his mental game. You know, his discipline, the maturity, the leadership skills. I think those are issues right now. Of course, we're going to, you know, have have a, have a good laugh about what happened this offseason. And, you know, with, with the MILF talk. And I know it's funny and I, I, I joke about it as well. But when it comes down to the brass tacks as far as what he can do as a quarterback, those things have to go away. Those things can't happen. He's got a baby face. He looks like he's 14 years old. That in the locker room probably doesn't go well. You know, like you, if you're an offensive lineman, if you're a defensive lineman, and you're three times the size of this guy, this guy, you can pick him up with your fingers. Do you really want that guy to lead your team? I don't know. And I don't know if it fits this Robert Sala system to where it's very physical, a very aggressive, it's very high, high intensity. I don't know if Zach Wilson really fits that, but you had to take one of the best QB prospects in the draft last year. So I, I think it's going to take a lot of time so to build muscle, to kind of get rub the dirt on Zach Wilson, make him less pretty, make him less like a frat boy, you know, like we got to we got to make him more New York. We got to make him more Robert Sala to really make it seem that this guy can fit in with this system and fit in in the NFL because uh, it may have been a rea- reality check in in season 1 or year 1 for Zach Wilson. I think he'll do better this season, but it's going to take a lot of time and patience with a young um frat boy type of quarterback like Zach Wilson. Number 27, Jacoby Brissett. Um, I think Jacoby Brissett is probably one of the nicest guys in, in uh, on this earth. I, I, I think he's a great guy. I think teammates love him, but he's just not a great quarterback. And I think we've had enough times and enough opportunities um, in New England, Miami, Indianapolis, and now Cleveland, to think that he's just kind of a placeholder for the next guy. A Tyrod Taylor type of placeholder to where, I mean, this year it's 12 games for him and it doesn't matter what happens. It He can be an MVP candidate type of quarterback. It doesn't matter when you've paid $236 million for Deshaun Watson. And now he finally gets to play after week 12, you're going to put Deshaun Watson in. It doesn't matter what Jacoby Brissett does. And it's, it, do, it doesn't matter what Tyrod Taylor does. You know, it, it, the next guy up, if he's better, they're going to throw him in. Jacoby Brissett, for me, has that football IQ, but I don't think his physical abilities match it. So whenever we look at New England, Indianapolis, and Miami as examples of what we can see from Jacoby Brissett, you know, those that time frame for all those teams didn't really fit him. You know, Tom Brady goes down, who's up? Jimmy Garoppolo, then there's Jacoby Brissett. But once Jimmy or once Tom got healthy, they went back to them, and Jacoby Brissett was just put to the side. Okay, well, now he, he goes to Miami. What, what, what does he do there? Uh, Tua goes down, or excuse me, he went to Indianapolis first. So then Andrew Luck goes down, and poor offensive line. 
it, it's it's so bad that Andrew Luck had to retire. So where does that put Jacoby Brissett? This is it's not the same Indianapolis Colts that we see today with a revamped offensive line, great protection, Jonathan Taylor, good receivers, a good defense, a great coaching staff. This was a time to where the Indianapolis Colts lacked identity. They didn't know where they were going as a franchise, and it took a lot of revamping on that offensive line to now branch off into other things like Jonathan Taylor, like Michael Pittman Jr., and all those studs on the defense. Jacoby Brissett was not there for that. So when you can't protect your quarterback with Andrew Luck, how do you, how do you think it's going to fare for Jacoby Brissett? So he leaves there. He goes to Miami. Same, same thing. They, they, this was like just a little bit before Tua and Ryan go at it as that, that quarterback um, battle. And then they have that great year under Brian Flores to where they're – they're doing great things defensively. They're a turnover machine. They lock down uh, defensively. And they just do enough offensively to win games. Jacoby Brissett wasn't there for that. And by then, we're already tuned out by Jacoby Brissett. Now he goes to Cleveland to where he's going to be the guy that goes behind De- Deshaun Watson until week 12. And it's a better, it's a, it's a better uh, opportunity. It, it's a better place. Because you have Nick Chubb, now you have Amari Cooper. You, you got a better offensive line. And you have a defense that I think has the potential to be a top 10 defense in this league. But once Week 12 comes around, it's it's Deshaun Watson's team. It doesn't matter what Jacoby Brissett does. I don't think he's great. I think he's barely good enough. Uh, so I put him at 27. Uh, 26, uh, Jared Goff. I'm really sick of talking about Jared Goff. The only reason why I have some faith in Jared Goff or I want to believe in Jared Goff is because he plays for the Detroit Lions. And Dan Campbell, for me, has been an amazing example of what a team should be. I mean, like, if we want to put a Ted Lasso type of of uh, real-life scenario to where you, you bring in a guy and you're like, this, this can't work. And, you know, th- this just doesn't make sense. A guy with no experience whatsoever at being a head coach. And he's not had a, a fair share of time as a coach in general since his playing time. And with a Detroit Lions team that is coming off a bad stint with Matt Patricia, the, the, the vibes are low in Detroit. Dan Campbell comes in. They trade for Jared Goff. They, they move on from Matthew Stafford who was really the only thing going for this organization for the last five, six, seven years, you trade away your only great player. And what are you left with? Jared Goff, um, Jeff Okuda, who hasn't worked out at all, and some playmakers offensively. You know, like Kenny Galladay's gone now, and you're lucky to have Amonra St. Brown come up. You're, You're... you're feeling good about TJ and Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift. These are pretty good guys. And just what Dan Campbell has brought to the table with this team, when you've seen on Hard Knocks, just press conferences, you want to cheer for the Detroit Lions. And I just wish that they had a better quarterback than Jared Goff. Jared Goff, props to him, he got a Rams team to the Super Bowl. But let me rephrase that. 
Todd Gurley took them to the Super Bowl along with their defense, along with Sean McVay. Jared Goff was there. Yeah, you want to throw out the MVP numbers that, that, that you can? That's great, man. But offensive line, Todd Gurley influenced those numbers a ton. I mean, if you're Jared Goff, yeah. But when he got that contract, now you have to play at a certain level. Now the expectations are much higher than you just handing it off to Todd Gurley. Because now, knee injury, catching up to him. Now it's up to you. In a Sean McVay offense that likes to throw the ball, that likes to be high octane, high speed, very creative, an offense that is clearly too much to handle for Jared Goff. Doesn't have the arm talent, doesn't have the arm strength, doesn't have the elite abilities like some of the other guys that got drafted around him in the, in the, in the draft. Jared Goff is, is your typical average quarterback. It's your typical pocket passer who is okay accurate, okay arm strength, okay completion percentage, and his TD to interception ratio is pretty decent. Will he get you to that next level? If the Detroit Lions want to become a middle-of-the-pack team, which I think they can be, they, they, they definitely don't have the talent like some of these other teams around them can if we want to be middle of the pack. But they got the fight. They got that dog in them, you know? They got that Zach Wilson in them. Dan Campbell is going to make them so much better mentally that they are going to shock a lot of NFL fans as the years go on because this is a project. This can't be a thing to where if Dan Campbell doesn't have a winning record this season or next season that he's out. No, 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 no. This is a this has to be a scenario to where you have to give him 5 years at least. You have to believe in the process. You have to believe that this man is doing great things with your team. The results may not show 8-9 wins every year, but from going to three, four wins to six, I think is a Super Bowl for the Detroit Lions. If we can get to seven wins, by God, they might win the Super Bowl next year. That's how excited I am for the Detroit Lions. I just wish that Jared Goff was somewhere else. And they imagine if they had Matthew Stafford still. I don't, I don't know if it would have been the same, but like, I, I don't want to see Jared Goff with this team. I don't, I don't think he's good enough. Uh, and he he goes down in my list from what he was last year. I, I think he was like late teens, mid-teens maybe. I, I forget where he was. But he's just okay, and that's just not good enough. I don't care for okay anymore. 25, we got Carson Wentz. This is the last shot for Carson Wentz. You know, Philly didn't work out after injuring his leg. He goes to Indy. And I felt like that's a good place for him to go, for him to revamp in. And I believed in him. I believed in Carson Wentz to do better in Indianapolis. All you had to do was beat the Jaguars. All you had to do was beat one of the worst defenses in all of football with the worst coach in the league last year. Urban Meyer did not care about his job. Did not care to put up a game plan against the Colts. 
yet they somehow win that football game because of Carson Wentz's mistakes. Jonathan Taylor gave that team hope. And I felt like if they maybe went to the playoffs, Carson Wentz would have played better. But obviously, things change. Carson Wentz, for some reason, is believed to be the, the, the missing piece in Washington. I can't believe that they're even thinking about football anymore in Washington, considering how bad their organization is, how news-stricken the defensive coordinator is in Jack Del Rio with all of his statements, Ron Rivera firing guys and just saying it in the press conference. It doesn't look like they have a hold of this team. And for me, to not have stability at the coaching staff, it really makes it hard to have stability on the field. Their defense collapsed last year, even though they should have been one of the best units in all of football. Their defensive line deteriorated in front of our eyes. Chase, uh, Chase Young isn't going to play for the first few games this year. And even though they got better players last year, they somehow got worse. Offensively, Antonio Gibson is not even their best back anymore, it seems. And their next great, or their next best option, he's going to be out for a while because he was hospitalized for, for getting shot. You know, God bless him. Hopefully he's okay. He would have won the starting job. But now you're stuck with Antonio Gibson, which seemingly you don't want to start. Terry McLaurin's having contract issues. Um, this offensive line has made a few changes in the offseason. And now you have Carson Wentz. Tyler Heineke did okay. I think Tyler Heineke was like a, a good like chip-on-a-shoulder guy that fit that, that team. So now Carson Wentz comes in with the lack of stability in the coaching staff, which I thought he had in Indianapolis. Like He went back to the coordinator that made him great. And Frank Wright. And it didn't, it didn't work. They moved on after a year. They said, we're, you know, we're done with you. We, we don't think that you're good enough. And they went and got Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, who's going to be out of the league in the next two years. They didn't believe in you, even though you're younger. Th that you have a lot more potential. They gave up on you. And they just shipped you off to Washington to now have to play the Eagles twice a year. I don't see how he's the missing piece because he's, he's going to fall. He's going to be in his own head. And it's sad to see because Carson Wentz does have talent. He does have the ability, like he did in that MVP almost year before he injured his knee, that he could be a, a top 10 quarterback. I mean, he was clearly playing better than Dak Prescott. That was the argument. Who was better, Dak Prescott or Carson Wentz? At that very time, Carson Wentz was a better quarterback. And I'm a Cowboys fan. I will admit that. Carson Wentz has now just lost the confidence. He's lost that, that mental strength. And I don't think he'll ever get it back, especially not with Washington. 24, I got Trey Lance. And I know this is going to shock a lot of people, but I don't believe in Trey Lance. I don't think he's ready. You know, when he got drafted out of North Dakota State, I'm watching the film. I'm watching him playing against James Madison. I don't know. You know, some like random team from Montana. He's dicing. He, he's slinging the ball. He's running all over the place. Like he's Lamar Jackson in MVP year. Like he does not care. He's playing. 
Trey Lance is playing like a quarterback that you made on Road to Glory in NCAA football 15, or, or excuse me, 12, because I don't think they made a 15, and you put it on easy mode. That's what it felt like watching Trey Lance play at North Dakota State. You know, his receivers were open by 15 yards, by a mile. And then if he had to run, who's going to stop him? Because you got a guy randomly from Idaho that couldn't make Boise State, so now he's got a place in, in, in the FBS. You know, like it's... Trey Lance has not played to the level of competition that he's going to play at this year. And when he got drafted, the thing was, I'll give him a few years, he'll be ready. He may not be ready now, but give him, give him a few years, maybe three or four years, I think this is the right guy. He's starting. You gave him a year under Jimmy Garoppolo. This 49ers team is physical. They are aggressive. They showed it in their playoff run last year that they were one play away from making that Super Bowl. They embarrassed the Cowboys on the road. They embarrassed Green Bay on the road. And they were one interception away, this close to beating Matthew Stafford, who who won the Super Bowl. Like... 49ers are tremendously talented. They're well coached. They're always going to be a dangerous team. And they did that with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. They still have Jimmy Garoppolo uh, as the highest paid uh, backup quarterback in the league. Congratulations. But Trey Lance, for me, I, I don't think he's going to be ready for when he has to go against Aaron Donald. When he has to go against the better defenses in this league. That is a tough division to play in, especially as a rookie quarterback. Not only that, you got to play against Green Bay. You got to play against Tampa. You got to play against the New Orleans Saints, who have a, a great defense. Trey Lance is so young, and yes, he has raw talent. And this preseason, awesome. He looks great. But you're also playing against guys that may not even make the roster. I think we got to really reel it back in with Trey Lance as far as his expectations this year. Everyone's saying that he's going to surprise the league. He's going to shock the world. I don't think so whatsoever. I think this team can carry him to be enough for a, maybe a playoff spot. But Trey Lance is, is looked at as the next great quarterback when it doesn't even feel like he's past, like, maturity-wise, his teenage years. I, I just don't see him getting locked in and getting it in the NFL for another few years. But I don't know if he has the time frame to do so. You know, like, if Justin Fields was with the 49ers, oh, my God. I think by now Justin Fields would have been a top 10 quarterback, maybe top 15 at least. Trey Lance, for me, is just not, he doesn't have the experience yet. And no rookie quarterback does or second-year quarterback does because they've only been in the league for, for so long. But, I mean, when we're talking about North Dakota State quarterbacks, the only real example we have is Carson Wentz. And guess how that's turning out for him? Trey Lance is a better talent, yeah. But when you play James Madison and you play, like, North Dakota every year. How is that going to hold up against Aaron Donald and the Rams? 
Jalen Ramsey is going to cook you. He's going to make you suffer. Trey Lance, for me, is a raw talent that is just not ready yet. Number 23, Justin Fields. We just talked about him. Uh, Justin Fields should have been a 49er. And from what we're hearing in camp, what we're hearing out of the Bears organization is that a lot of offensive players and a lot of coaching staff are high on Justin Fields this year. They're, they are seeing him as a different quarterback based on his play. I believe it. I believe it because Justin Fields is a tremendous prospect at quarterback. I, I wanted him to go to a better place. And I was waiting to see what the Bears would do last season to make a change. But it never came. And some of those games last year, the embarrassment that was that offensive line. I, it's, it's ridiculous how they let that happen. That should be illegal, what they did to Justin Fields last year. Because he couldn't do anything. What, what, what can a man do when he has that dual threat ability? They can run the run-pass option, like Justin Fields can do. He did at Ohio State impeccably. I mean, one of the best in the nation at it. He has the experience, few years in college, playing against elite talent, big powerhouse schools, making it to the playoff, playing in the playoff, and like going toe-to-toe with Trevor Lawrence. And to go from that, to a embarrassment of a franchise in the Chicago Bears who has basically given up. You know, they get rid of Khalil Mack and you're thinking, what's left to do? You let Allen Robinson go as well. So you really think that Darnell Mooney can be the savior to this wide receiver core? You really think that Nikhil Harry was the best option a wide receiver? Like your offensive line doesn't look any better this year. And you're playing in a division that you're probably the worst at right now. I think the Detroit Lions have more potential than the Chicago Bears. Where does that leave Justin Fields? I think Justin Fields is a better quarterback than all the guys that I've just named. But it sucks that he plays for Chicago. I think he'll put up a damn good fight. I think he'll show that, like, damn, if it was somewhere else, it, it would work out. He would be so much better somewhere else. He's going to outplay the Chicago Bears organization. And he's going to prove to them, like, you need to make everything better around me or I'm out. And he'll leave because he deserves better. I think he's got leadership skills. He's got poise. He's got that composure that some of these elite guys in the, in the league do. He's got great arm strength, accuracy, potential is all there. But because he plays for the Chicago Bears, that's why he's not higher on my list. Number 22, Trevor Lawrence. Same thing, really. I think he'll have a better year this year. Uh, the, that's that's definitely a reality check in year one. And having Urban Meyer as a head coach probably didn't help it either. He's got some weapons that they overpaid for. Yes, that, that's fine. But he's also got Travis Etienne, who's coming off the injury in his rookie season. He's getting James Robinson back. He's going to feel like he did in Clemson, to where he has the running game to rely on, but he also can run himself. And if he can't, he can throw the ball down the field. He's a sling, wheeling and dealing quarterback. And I love Trevor Lawrence as a talent. I was re-watching the, uh, the Clemson and LSU game in 2020. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That was a hell of a game. And Trevor Lawrence still blows my mind at how good of a quarterback he is. And the only reason they lost is because LSU had the best college football team ever. 
like really ever. And so like Trevor Lawrence, the move to Doug Peterson as head coach makes all the sense in the world. I predicted it. I think it's the right thing to do. He'll, he'll bring some calmness to this team. This is a project that's going to take a lot of years. Same thing with Dan Campbell, that Doug Peterson needs to be with this organization for five years. After five years, if it's not working, you get rid of him. But this can't be a, like you're going to be a playoff team in a year. That's not going to happen with this team. There's still a lot of questions at offensive line. There's still some questions at playmaking ability at wide receiver, at tight end. And defensively, a lot of young guys, inexperienced, but you, you have some names to work with there. And I feel like if they can continue to draft well, maybe get some guys in free agency and not overpay for them like they did for Christian Kirk, this team is going to be all right for now in a bad division. But Zach, or not Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a lot more composed this year. He's not going to make the same mistakes that he did last year with the inaccuracy. It's very unlike Trevor Lawrence from what we saw in college. I think this guy is going to be a lot more mature. He's got to be a lot smarter. Football IQ is going to be better because he has a better system that fits more to the NFL style. And he has a great running game to rely on. And he's going to have some good moments with his legs, with his running ability. So Trevor Lawrence, he is going to be higher on this list than he was last year. It's just going to be a, a ceiling because he plays for Jacksonville. And finally, we're going to go with Tua Tango Vailoa. <sighs> This one could be hit or miss. I think this one can be, he can be a 15 quarterback or he can be a 27 quarterback. But I'm going to put him right in the middle at 21. This was right around the same time that I put him in last year at that list. I'm not going to be any different when it comes to Tua Tungavailoa. Um, yes, everything around him seems better. You know, Brian Flores, I'm a big fan of Brian Flores, but he is a defensive-minded coach. Um, he really didn't focus on quarterback play. Um, now with Mike McDaniels there, who did great things in San Francisco, he brings in Tyreek Hill. He brings in a whole new creative look to this offense. This defense still has a lot of playmakers, especially in the secondary. I think they have one of the best secondaries in all of football. It's, a, I think, a, a looser vibe, a looser chill look to this offense. Um, that's going to be like, oh, fuck it. We'll throw it out there. It's the Kyle Shanahan tree. So I think it's going to be really fun to watch, especially with Tyreek Hill. Tua, Tyreek Hill thinks that he's better than Patrick Mahomes as far as accuracy goes or, or whatever the case may be. I, I don't know how, how much Tyreek is smoking, but like Tua, the injuries really dampered his, his confidence. Because now he's really hesitant to make plays down the field, to let it loose, let it rip. And that's okay because when you go from an offensive line in Alabama to one in, in Miami that just doesn't cut it, yeah, you're going to be scared. And when you're not making the simple throws last year or the year prior, that's why you kept going on and off with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You got to question his arm talent, his arm ability. I think he has some more confidence this year because he has more weapons around him. Not just Tyreek Hill, but Cedric Wilson now comes to Miami, who I think is a great addition from Dallas. Um, his running game is stacked with Raheem Mostert, with um, with Miles Gaskin. And this defense, he can rely on this defense to make it a low-scoring game or to get him more opportunities with the turnovers. So 
Tua's going to feel better this year, and he's going to feel the pressure of like, well, it doesn't work out this year for me, then, oh, well, Teddy's going to come in, but it's going to be hard to lose your job to Teddy. So Mike McDaniels is going to put all of his trust into Tua, and he's going to he's gonna give him opportunities to throw down the field. I, I really believe that. He's going to say like, look, man, I don't care what you think or how you're feeling. We're going to make these plays work. And I'm going to give you the chances to prove yourself, to, to make all these haters shut up. I, if Tua can be an above-average quarterback, this is a pretty good football team who can surprise a lot of people. I don't think they get to the playoffs, and part of that would be Tua's play. However, if he can play pretty nicely and, and really focus on getting the ball to Tyreek, to Cedric, and to his running game, and hopefully like this offensive line gets better, I, I think Tua's going to be okay. I think he can be a, a above-average quarterback at best. Uh, I don't think he'll reach the ceiling of elite or damn good, but I think he'd be good. And, and that's where I'm going to put him on this list before we get to a, a better tier, at least in my eyes, and quarterbacks. And, you know, It's kind of hard in this you know mid-tier, late teens, early 20s, because it's just kind of like... You can switch them out, and I don't think anybody's going to complain, but that's just me. I'm, I'm just kind of a, uh, a uh, what's the right word for this, um, complacent guy when it comes to my takes. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to go super high or super low um, on most things, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. You know, Trey Lance for me is definitely like a hot take, but that that's just because I, I don't I, – I think there's better quarterbacks that – went after him, at least in my eyes, that are more NFL-ready right now. So that's just how I think. So that's going to do it for this part of the list. I hope you guys enjoyed this. So, you know, definitely went longer than I thought. Um, but we're going to come back with middle-of-the-pack quarterbacks later this week. And, uh, yeah, so thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Keep uh, tune in to the other podcasts, and we'll see you next time on Small Talk.